tonight I am talking, teaching on the Holy Spirit. The last time I taught was on uh, spiritual hunger. So it's kind of neat how God, because uh, I asked him back then, that was a year ago, what do you want me to teach on? And he said, the Holy Spirit. I said, okay. But I confessed before man and God, I was very ignorant of the Holy Spirit for the longest time. Didn't know anything about him. And so when he started talking to me about this, he said, uh, I want you to show them the relationship that we have. And uh, my, my eyes just went blink. Wow. Sometimes you have something that you never put a title to it. You just did it. You're kind all day long, but you don't go around saying, I'm kind. Look at me walking in the love of God. No, you're just kind. So I had a relationship and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. But uh, what scripture started me on this journey was things pertaining to and of the Holy Ghost, I would not have you ignorant. So God knew that I was ignorant. That's why he brought it to my attention. So I found that scripture stuck to me like Velcro. Uh, you're ignorant, so let's do something about it. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. <laughs> Going to the Passion. Thought we'd have fun with the Passion. Makes you feel passionate when you read it. Yeah. My fellow believers, I don't want you to be confused about spiritual realities. For you know full well that when you were unbelievers, you were often led astray in one way or another by your worship of idols, which are incapable of talking, to you, talking with you. Therefore, I want to impart to you an understanding of the following. So he's going to go into spiritual gifts. But what I'm going to, I'm not talking about the gifts tonight. We're talking about him, the person. So verse 7, it says, each believer is given continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just himself, but all. I like that about the Holy Spirit. Like he is on the inside of you for your benefit, but he comes on you for somebody else. Like you can have a Holy Ghost party all you want, but he'd rather you go out and uh, start touching people with him. So uh, let's go to John 14, 16. The Amplified. We got all kinds of... Uh, I started with the Amplified uh, years ago, and I, I still love it. Some people call it the female Bible because it's very wordy. <laughs> but sometimes a lot of words it takes to, to reveal something. But um, one of the things the Holy Spirit was talking to me about was uh, he wanted to reveal how he's working in me. So a month ago, I had to take the dogs out and bring them back in. I'm on the third floor and uh, um, not as fit as I would like to be. The nice word is deconditioned. <laughs> so anyway, when I got up to the top, top stairs and went into the apartment, the Holy Ghost said to me, well, he, brings, he arrests you when he, he starts to talk to you. You might be doing something else, but when he starts talking, then you shut up long enough to hear what he has to say. So here he was saying to me, I can do more for you in five minutes than your last year of struggling. And so I said, my God. I knew I was struggling. I knew I was trying to figure this out in my head. How do you figure something out in your head that's a spiritual thing? Yeah. 
This is a spiritual battle that we're living. Flesh and blood can't reveal that to you. Only the Spirit of God can. So anyway, as I'm uh, standing there, he fell on me. And ever since then, he's delivered me from overeating. I brought a bunch of junk into work for everybody else to eat, and I never touched a thing of it. I was handling it, preparing it, divvying it up. It was. To- I said, God, you gave just took it away from me. So he's he is on the inside, but he works through people. And uh, let's see who he is. John fourteen sixteen. And I will ask the Father. This is Jesus talking, and he will give you another comforter. So that means that Jesus is a comforter too. So he said, I'm going to send you somebody just like me. But Jesus, when he was on the earth, was one person, one body. So the comforter goes everywhere when he's inside the believer. He's got all these beautiful tabernacles, these temples of the Holy Ghost, right? I will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby that he may remain with you forever. The spirit of truth. So if the spirit of truth is on the inside of you and the devil lies to you, he's going to reveal that that's a lie. Because I remember saying to somebody one time, I'm not praying enough. I'm not reading my Bible enough. And somebody said to me, "Uh, who said that? It was the liar. It was the spirit of truth was trying to tell me you're doing everything. Any accusation we know doesn't come from God. That's not his character. He He doesn't go around accusing people. So 17, verse 17, again, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, welcome, take to its heart, because it does not see him or know and recognize him. But you know and recognize him, for he lives with you constantly and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, desolate, bereaved, forlorn, forlorn, helpless. I will come back to you. So because we have the Holy Spirit, we know we're not orphans. Like my father died when I was two. So the Holy Spirit, he gives us that adoption that we've been grafted into the body of Christ, that we have that fellowship with God. You know, that's a powerful thing for those of us that didn't grow up in our uh, happy days, happy days. There wasn't too many happy days. But, you know, when you become in Christ, then you're a new creation. You're in the anointed one and you're in the anointing. And who brings the anointing is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. But uh, let's go to John 1, verses 29 to 34. We're going in the Passion. So for those people that are at home that don't know anything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit broke through Earth's atmosphere. He landed on people, and they began to speak in another tongue. They're already believers. John 1. And the fun part is I have Roman Catholic friends, and uh, Mary was part of that group that was in the upper room. Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so I like knowing that, that uh, she believed in her son after she got over a lot of stuff. So the um, baptism, okay, verse 29. The very next day John saw Jesus coming to him, This is uh, John the Baptist, because it's a baptism. (laughs) Jesus coming to him to be baptized, and John cried out, Look, there he is, God's lamb. He will take away the sins of the world. I told you that a mighty one would come 
who is far greater than I am. Because he existed long before I was born, my baptism was for the preparation of his appearing to Israel, even though I've yet to experience him. Then as John baptized Jesus, he spoke these words, I see the Spirit of God appear like a dove descending from the heavenly realm and landing upon him, and it rested upon him from that moment forward. And even though I've yet to experience him, when I was commissioned to baptize with water, God spoke these words to me. So God was speaking prophecy to the prophet. One day you will see the Spirit descend and remain upon a man. He will be the one I have sent to baptize. And that's a Greek word, and it means to immerse. I'm going to immerse with the Holy Spirit. And now I have seen with discernment, I can tell you for sure, that this man is the Son of God. Hallelujah. Wow. Uh, I like what the, uh, the notes say here. Um, Jesus, when they baptized him and people started to follow him, he said, what do you want? So God to Adam said, where are you? And then Jesus said, what do you want? So there's a two distinct different things here. Jesus said, what do you want from me? But Adam had lost his place with God and said, where are you? Trying to get Adam to place himself. Because if he had repented, you know, maybe God could have restored him. But he, uh, he didn't. He wasn't restored. So one of the things that God was talking to me about the Holy Spirit was where I was so ignorant of him. We went to the Believers Convention in 1995, Galen and myself, and uh, I had a I had a critical spirit, and God told me that before I went there. And I said, Holy Ghost, why do you get me to say all this stuff? Just because he's showing you where I came from. You know, when Suzanne died, we didn't know where she came from. We didn't know her. You know, I, I've been single my whole life, and I'm 58, and who would think? You know, I say, why is the sky blue? Why am I single? I don't know. I can't form a man out of the dust. But I know the one who can so they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and power. So that's what I do. So I wait on the Lord. But anyway, back in Texas there, I had the critical spirit. And we went to the meeting with Jerry Savelle, who taught on it when we got there. I said, I never heard anybody in the body of Christ teach on that. And so after we were taught that, then Jesse came. But when we left the room, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost here. There was such a power on Gay Lynn and I, like she was a witness of it. There was a weight that was pressing down on our shoulders, and I had never experienced that before. Just a heavy weight pressing down. And that, that God, I, never, I was never the same. I went from being so fearful, like I was sitting at a, a breakfast table there, looking down at the cereal, and Gay said, you look like you're frightened. I said, well, I am. So, you know, there was a lot to be frightened of back then. But the Holy Ghost coming on us changed us into another man. I liked it when Pastor Gary used to teach on Gideon. He said he was a man of paste and flour, but God said he was a mighty man of valor. So that's what happens when the Holy Ghost comes on you. You become another man, become another woman. So uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let's go to Acts 1 to 8. But uh, I remember when we used to have adult Sunday school, when we were in the 
Katie's hotel, and I got up and taught, and I said to God, you know how you're using everybody else's uh, testimonies because you don't have any? I said, God, there's going to be a day when I have my own testimony. So here we are right now having a testimony. Everybody's got a testimony, but sometimes it takes a little bit longer to come out, just depending on how, how much you yield to God. Acts 1 to 8. I've got to be on the right page here. So to Theophilus, the lover of God, I write to you again, my dear friend, to, uh, to give further details about the life of our Lord Jesus and all the things that he did and taught. Just before he ascended into heaven, he left instructions for the apostles he had chosen by the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Ghost is right in the middle of everything. He chose those disciples. After the sufferings of his cross, Jesus appeared alive many times to these same apostles over a 40-day period. Jesus proved to them with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. During these encounters, he taught them the truths of God's kingdom realm and shared meals with them. Jesus instructed them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift I told you about, the gift the Father has promised, for John baptized you in water. So John immersed you in water, but in a few days from now, you'll be baptized and immersed in the Holy Spirit. I like what the Apostle Paul said to somebody. Uh, have you been filled with the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they go, I've never heard of the Holy Spirit. I don't know anything about him. There's a lot of people that have never heard of him, don't know anything about him. He was speaking to a believer at the time. So it is possible to be filled with the Spirit after you've been uh, asked Jesus into your heart. Acts 1, verses 12 to 14 the disciples left the Mount of Olives and returned to Jerusalem less than a, day, a mile away. Arriving there, they went into a large second-floor room to pray. Oh, wouldn't that be nice to get the church to pray? Ha, ha, ha. Those present were Peter, John, Jacob, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, Jacob, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, the son of Jacob, and a number of women, including Mary, Jesus' mother. His brothers were there as well. All of them were united in prayer, gripped with one passion, interceding night and day. The night that I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, I was in my bedroom on my knees. And uh, when you're that hungry for God, what can you do? Sometimes you need somebody to lay hands on you because the Bible talks about that. But sometimes, I know I'm not the only one. This happened to many other people. The Holy Ghost just came on you and filled you up in there was a sign and a wonder, sign and a wonder to me. And uh, I was never the same after that. Glory, Glory to God. Yeah. So we're going to go. But uh, instead of reading it all, it's going to take a while. <laughs> so Peter preaches after being baptized in the Holy Ghost. So this is the guy that denied Jesus three times. So can you imagine the condemnation he was under? He didn't have the scripture. There's no condemnation for me because I denied Jesus three times. So here he is condemned, shamed, all of the above. And then when he was filled with the Holy Ghost, he preached and 3,000 people are saved in one meeting. We'd be happy to see 3,000 people all at once. Forget about getting 3,000 saved in one minute. Yeah. Uh, 
I wrote this quote down by Bill Johnson. The only question that remains is how yielded to the Holy Spirit I am, am I willing to be? That is what separates me from what is and what is possible. Jesus illustrates what is possible through the life of a disciple. So his life is possible, but it's up to me to, to want to yield to it. You know, um, it's easy to yield when everybody's patting you on the back and telling you you're a good girl and you're doing it all right. But to do something that's totally abnormal from everybody else, to leave a church where your family were uh, just because you're a tongue talker and you don't fit in anymore. Wow. That's the life of a disciple. So let's go to Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. But I've been having fun with the Holy Ghost because I talk to him all day. And uh, some days I got to go in a room and, and laugh with him because people would think you were half crazy if you just go release joy and there's nobody else around you, you know. But I like that about him. He always, he understands me. I understand him. We laugh together. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And because of him, when you are not Jews, heard the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. Now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He is given to us like an engagement ring. Look at that. For those of us that aren't married, yahoo! He is given to us like an engagement ring given to a bride as the first installment of what's coming. <laughs> he is our hope promise of a future inheritance which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom, all for the supreme glory and honor of God. If he's the installment of what's to come, we have no idea what's to come. Like, if you're not enjoying the Holy Spirit here, when you get to heaven, you're going to feel really alien. You're going to feel alien. Like, we're, this, we're citizens of heaven, but we have to know that. You know, we're walking down here in the here and now, but our citizenship's in heaven. <laughs> uh, let's go to Romans 8, verse 11. I wrote it down from the message because I really like that. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. Hallelujah. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. Oh, you mean I don't have to apologize for not being timid? Thank you, God. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, next Papa? I like that about Carolyn. She used to call God Papa. I like that. God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we really are, father and children. And we know we're going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. Well, well, well. Happy days are here again. Yes. Thank God. 
So uh, Romans 8.14 uh, in the Amplified was uh, led by the Spirit, the sons of God. Yeah. But we're going to read it in the Passion just because I got it open. <laughs> Romans 8.14 to 17. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. There's some Christians that are never going to feel good enough until they renew their mind. Right. If you grew up with the, you need to be told, add a girl, add a girl, a hundred times for every, you're a bad girl. And if you didn't even get that basic input from a loving family, you didn't receive that of being good enough. But thank God in Christ you're complete. Hallelujah. We have no fear of never being good enough. You have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's false fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. When I read this scripture, I said, God, I know this to be true. You know, um, when you're married, you have to submit to the dictates of the, uh, the one you're married to. But when you're single, you don't have that. And so guess what? I can spend as much time with God as I want to. And so he has taught me this, that we're his children, we're part of his family, but he wants us to know that we're as vital to him as he is to us. And that's a powerful thing to know. I said, you got to know what you know. But I like what Galen used to say to her grandchildren, if you know, then do what you know. Because you can know a lot of things but not apply them, and then, then you're still suffering, right? For me to sit up here and tell you that the Holy Ghost delivered me from gluttony in one second, just like that, I said, God, he can do that for anybody. You know what I mean? And to feel bad about yourself because of your body shape anyway, it's the pit of hell. And the Holy Spirit knows about pits because he dragged Jesus out of, out of the biggest hell there ever is. So if he can pull Jesus out of there and resurrect him out of there, he can deliver us out of anything. So I said, God, you are, you're more than enough. Hallelujah. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2. Well, he said he was going to just open me up like a book. I said, we're living epistles read of men. If people can't read you, how can they see where you're coming from? Like I learned a lot from hearing the testimonies about Suzanne because I didn't know her. I went to a Bible study in her house. I prayed in the prayer room with her. I didn't know her. So I said, God, I know you better than I knew her. I said, that made me feel better. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 16. I'm just staying in the passion because I like it. This is why the scriptures say, things never discovered or heard of before, things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things God has in store for all his lovers. Wow. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. How does he reveal them? By the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us 
his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit, who constantly explores all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the Spirit, and not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together Spirit-revealed truths with Spirit-revealed words. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit because they're of the flesh, for they make no sense to him. He can understand, he can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. Those who live in the Spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things, but they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. For whoever has, who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? Christ has, and we possess Christ's perceptions. We have the mind of Christ is what they're saying. We have Christ's perceptions. What does Christ mean? The anointed one and his anointing. We have his perceptions by his spirit. Yeah. How exciting is that? Glory to God. I like having his mind. I like knowing when he's thinking right when he's thinking it. I like saying it just when he said it. I like going and doing things right when he tells me to do it. There was somebody at work that uh, needed something, and it was beyond my ability to do it. Holy Ghost said, email this person. This person was way above me, way above me, like another stratosphere. I barely knew them. I barely knew them. You know, I had a walking, talking acquaintance. That was it. Didn't have a right to ask for this big thing. And I emailed them and told the story and wrote the thing. They wrote back and said, oh, can't do it, but we'll see about it. And it all it came to pass, everything that God told me to do. I said, God, how do you do that? Because the Holy Ghost told me to email somebody, and I did it. Instead of second-guessing myself and saying, oh, this person doesn't know you. Why are they even going to answer this email? But I, I didn't even think that because I, I was immediately obedient. Hallelujah. Let's go to Proverbs 20. Everybody knows this one. 27. The spirit God breathed into man is like a living lamp, a shining light, searching into the innermost chamber of our being. Wow. So he's a lamp on in there. He's always lit up. But you know yourself, if you throw your dirty clothes on top of the shade, you ain't going to see nothing. You know what I mean? There are certain things that you turn your back on him. He's always talking, he's always saying, but are we always quiet? Like I've been practicing the presence of God ever since I listened to Lynn Hammond's video uh, 30 years ago. And um, so you talk to God, you tell him how much you love him, then you sit there and wait till he talks back. Because that's what a relationship is. If you're doing all the talking, then you are not in a relationship with anybody. You're in a relationship with yourself. If you enjoy your own company that much, then just go in a room and talk to yourself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
But it's the truth because uh, there's a ministry of listening that the body of Christ needs to cultivate. We need to cultivate a listening ear. How can he talk to you if you're always talking or if you're always assuming you know the answer? Well, I wrote down, um, Kenneth Hagin had said there's two types of unbelief. Uh, one unbelief is um, you don't know. You have no knowledge of it, so you're in unbelief. But then the second type of unbelief is you actually know the Word of God, but you refuse to act on it. So that's unbelief. So if I know what God said to me and I totally ignore him, then I'm in disobedience. And then I reap the benefit of it. It's not God's fault. You know, if I put X amount of calories into my body, only burns X amount, then I have a surplus. <laughs> I have a surplus. But that's all right. God can lead us out. If he led Israel out, and not one feeble among three million, and their clothes didn't wear out, and they got to take the enemy's money with them, I'm pretty sure he can deal with any little thing I have going on. Makes me happy thinking about it. So <laughs> let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 to 18. I'm staying in the passion just because I'm being led by the inward witness of the Holy Ghost, right? 2 Corinthians 3, verses 16 to 18. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, verses 12 to 18. So then, with this amazing hope living in us, we step out in freedom and boldness to speak the truth. We are not like Moses, who used a veil to hide the glory, to keep the Israelites from staring at him as it faded away. Their minds were closed and hardened, for even to this day that same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. The veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it's only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. Isn't that wonderful? soon as you ask Jesus into your heart. You know, Ephesians says, open the eyes of my understanding that I may be enlightened. Well, guess what? The veil has been torn apart. As soon as you ask Jesus into your heart, whoop-de-doo. I got no more scales on my eyes. There's nothing stopping me from seeing what God has for me. Hallelujah. But my unbelief and my lack of my, my mind being renewed, that'll slow me down a little bit. But in the spirit the veil's been lifted. So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. But the, mo the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. Look at that. Call the Holy Spirit Lord. And wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. So Moses, when he came down from the mountain, he put a veil on his face because he didn't want them to see the, the glory leaving his face. But now in Jesus, there's no veil. We always have the glory. We always reflect the glory. Our faces look like the glory. When you spend time with God, it's noticeable. It's on your face. There's no veil anymore. There's no curtain stopping you from going into God's presence. That makes me happy. Amen. The next verse says, We are being transfigured into his very image 
as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Wow. We are the Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I have that same verse in the message, 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18. Whenever though they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil and there they are face to face. Then suddenly, they suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. So that's what he's saying, where the spirit is, there's liberty. You're no longer under that old legislation of the law. Where the spirit of the Lord is, is liberty. It doesn't mean I can flap around like a chicken and be in liberty. He's talking about being delivered from the law of the spirit of life or being delivered from the law of sin. You're delivered from this restriction, the laws that the the rules and regulation that come from that Old Testament. We're free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. Well, this is the whole point of the, of the Bible is we become like him. Even Jesus needed the Bible. He grew in stature and in favor with God and man. He didn't go snap his fingers and everything's perfect. He had to, he had to uh, be about his father's business. He only said what his father said. How did he know that? He heard what the father said. He knew what the father said, but he also knew what the word of God said. Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's go to Psalm 116, verse 10. Ooh, we like the Holy Spirit. Still in the Passion, 116, verse 10. Even when it seems I'm surrounded by many liars and my own fears, and though I'm hurting in my suffering and trauma, I still stay faithful to God and speak words of faith. So this is the scripture that David spoke that now we're going to see in the New Testament. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4, 13. 2 Corinthians 4.13, talking about the spirit of faith. When we are slandered incessantly, we always answer gently, ready to reconcile. Even now in the world's opinion, we are nothing but, okay, that can't be the right scripture. <laughs> uh, 2 Corinthians, that's why I'm in one. I thought it sounded pretty serious. 2 Corinthians 4.13. We have the same spirit of faith that is described in the scriptures when it says, first I believe, then I spoke in faith. So we also first believe, then speak in faith. So what is the spirit of faith? You believe, then you speak. But what do you speak? Words of faith. So I believe I receive healing from my body. I thank you, Lord, that this church is prosperous and in health, even as our soul prosperous. Thank you, God, that this church is blessed coming in blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in their storehouses, blessed in their baskets, blessed to be a blessing that we may establish God's word here on earth. Thank you, Lord, that this church lays hands on the sick, 
and they recover. Thank you, Lord, that the revival, this is the revival capital of Canada. It's going from east to west. This fire is going from east to west. Thank you, Lord, that we have a spirit of faith here, that when people walk in the door, that spirit, that Holy Ghost faith comes on those people. When we walked into Kenneth Hagin's church in 1998, Galen and I, there was a spirit of faith in that church. We walked into it. We didn't have to breathe on it. We didn't have to build it up. We didn't have to dance it in. We didn't have to shout it out. We didn't have to pray it in. We didn't have to sing it up. It was already there because they knew how to yield to the spirit of faith. Thank you, Lord. We know how to yield to the spirit of faith. We believe, therefore, we speak words of faith. We go to sleep speaking words of faith. We wake up in the morning speaking words of faith, God. We wake up in the morning and before our feet hit the ground, we say the joy of the Lord is our strength, God. Thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against this church will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against this church, it will fall to the ground. Thank you, Lord, that greater is he that's in this church than he that's in the world. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us a spirit of faith, that we know how to speak words of faith, that we're not worried about anything because we are happy. This is the happiest church on planet Earth, God, right here. We are so happy. We're attracting people wherever we go. We're contagious with the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. This church has a spirit of faith. We believe it. We say it. We speak it. We think on it. We meditate on it, and we speak it. Thank you, Lord, that our... Mark Hankins says you don't run at your mountain with your mouth closed. What's he saying? Speak a spirit of faith. Speak your words of faith. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. When we were down in, uh, this is how ignorant I was of the Holy Ghost. We were lined up for prayer. Uh, Kenneth Hagin wanted to pray for everybody that was from another country. So he was older then. It's 1998. There was probably 50 or 60 people lined up. He said, turn sideways. So we're like dominoes. He stood at the end of the line. He knew how far the anointing would go. And so he prayed for everybody. And in my head, I'm going, yeah, right, God. I ain't going down on this. This don't make any sense to me. Next thing I know, I'm on the ground with everybody else. So we had no clue what the Holy Ghost could do. We had no clue. Uh, when I lived with my mom years ago, this is probably 25, 30 years ago, Galen and I were listening to In His Presence. It's a music CD by Phil Driscoll. The two of us, you know that the sound of the teacher and Charlie Brown? We were doing that complaining. It was that bad. The Holy Ghost walked into the room. How do we know? Because we both shut our mouths at the same time. I said, I've never experienced it since. He shut our mouths right up. He was that tired of hearing us. He shut us down, shut us right down. I, and I, I never forgot that because I thought, talk. Well, the funny thing is, when, what's that scripture in the Old Testament? Uh, your tongue, when it's loose by the Holy Ghost, with a stammering lip, and another tongue, you'll start to speak in tongues. Well, our tongue was being used for the devil. So the Holy Ghost who's holy, who lived in us, he wasn't putting up with that, which I like about that. Well, sometimes we need to be told. And when I was a kid, they had the saying, have you been told today? So we were told. Ephesians 2. And uh, what a learning curve, though. What a teaching lesson. You know, some people would have walked away and said, well, whatever. Yeah. Ephesians 2, verses 17 and 18. For the Messiah has come to preach this sweet message of peace to you, the ones who are distant and to those who are near. 
And now because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. Wow. Direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. Direct access. There's nothing in my way. There's nothing that's stopping me from getting to God. There's some scriptures in the message, it calls the people God seekers. I said, that's what we are. We're God seekers, and there's nothing stopping us from getting to God, into the realm of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Hallelujah. I like that scripture. That makes me more excited. Um, ah, running out of time, God. But here's something that Mark Hankins taught, and I thought, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. But the watering, so uh, Mark Hankins quoted, this is really from Kenneth Hagin, the part that Apollos watered is hearing the word over and over again. That's the watering that gives you the increase. So if you come to church and you said, I heard all this before, then you got a mental ascent. There'll be no victory. There'll be no increase. There'll be no uh, victory in that area because you've already shut God off from his watering system. If you shut the water down, everybody knows your plants die and they die. <laughs> they are dead, deader than dead. So I thank you, God, that the way that we hear the word of God, when we come to church and we're excited about it every time we hear it, that's when it gets watered. That's the watering we need. Hallelujah. It's a repetition, a line upon line, here little, there little. Sometimes you've been here for a long time, you think you know it all. Well, God, I admit, I don't know too darn much sometimes. But uh, I do know that he, he changes me. So uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 14, because we've got to get to praying in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 to 4. There was too much about the Holy Spirit. I, I said, God, uh, you couldn't exhaust it in one hour. 1 Corinthians 14. When someone speaks in tongues, no one understands a word he says because he's not speaking to people but to God. He is speaking intimate mysteries in the Spirit. But when someone prophesies, he speaks to encourage people, to build them up and to bring them comfort. The one who speaks in tongues advances his own spiritual progress, while the one who prophesies builds up the church. So he's talking about two different things here. When you're praying in the Spirit in tongues, that's for your own edification, your own building up. Um, so if I was to go into the public eye and do that, there'd be no edification for anybody but me. But God gave us the gifts of the Spirit so that if you have interpretation of tongues in the church, then somebody else is edified. Somebody can't understand tongues because it's a mystery that only God understands. But one of the gifts of the Spirit is tongues and interpretation. And uh, I was in prayer. We, had a, we used to have prayer on Saturday nights in New Covenant Ministries when we were in one of our buildings. And uh, I was praying in tongues in the circle, and somebody was from Sri, Sri Lanka, and they were interpreting my tongues. <laughs> and it was a praise word in her language. 
So after I said the word, whatever it was, she's listening for more. And I'm going, well, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> you know, God brought the word out, but uh, you can sit there and listen all you want. It's the Holy Spirit as he wills. That's what the gifts are, as he wills. Well, let's go and get drunk in the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 5, 18 to 20. I got a funny story about being drunk in the Spirit. Don't you like it when God gives you a testimony? It's not somebody else's story. It's uh, something that God did to you. So Tim and Susan Stowe were here years ago. We are on McDonald Avenue at the time. Everybody thought they were called to the ministry at the time. So they said, anybody that thinks they're in the fivefold ministry, come on up for prayer. And I go, oh, God, everybody and their sister is going to be up there now. So when I went up for prayer, because I thought I was... <laughs> Uh, they prayed for me, and then I went and sat down, and I said to God, is that all there is? I thought, I don't know why God put up with me at that time, really, but he knew my ignorance, and he, he knew my hunger. I was saying it because I was hungry for God, and I didn't get what I went for. I went up there for a touch of the Holy Ghost, and maybe my, my own brain was in the way of receiving it, and so it stopped the Spirit of God moving through me. I don't blame God for any of that. Anyway, Susan Stowe put, points her finger at me. She said, you, you just told God you didn't get what you came for. Get up here. So when I went up there, and uh, when she prayed for me, I laid on the floor. And it's nice that when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, your brain doesn't shut off. Because I'm laying on the floor, analyzing what's happening to me. I said to God in my head, this is different. What is this? And... Uh, I said, this must be what it means to be drunk in the spirit. Like I've been drunk on alcohol, and this kind of seems the same thing. And so that's exactly what it was. I was getting drunk in the Holy Ghost for the very first time. And funny enough, he just uh, he blessed me despite my attitude. Ephesians 5, 18 to 20. I like that about God. He allows us room to grow. He's not a condemning father. Jesus said he came to save, not to condemn. So if anybody's condemning you out there, watching by live stream, it's not God. Ephesians, and don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and your hearts will overflow with a joyful song to the Lord Jehovah. Keep speaking to each other with words of scripture, singing the Psalms with praises and spontaneous songs given by the Spirit. Always give thanks to the Father God for every person he brings to your life in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And out of your reverence for Christ, be supportive of each other in love. So in the King James, it says, when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, you keep yourself in the love of God. Isn't that nice? Especially when you know you got some sharp edges on you. If you got a sharp edge day, then go pray in tongues. Like, I don't like having to apologize. I had to apologize to my brother three times just for one incident because he didn't receive it the first time. The first time I apologized to him, he looked at me, and I knew he didn't receive it, because it hurt him. And uh, he said, uh, yeah, that's all right. And I, I knew by the Spirit it's, he still didn't receive it. I said, Charlie, I really do apologize. Yeah, that's all right. It reminded me of Peter. He denied God three times, and Jesus restored him three times. So I said to Charlie the third time, you're the best thing about this apartment. Please receive my apology. I didn't mean to hurt you. And then he finally said, that's okay. That's okay. Woo. 
by being led by the Spirit, you knew, you knew there was things that had to be changed, right? I just had a final thing to read from Charles Spurgeon. I just finished reading this book on what the Holy Spirit does in a believer's life. And I like how God drops something into your hand just when you need it. I said, how do you do that, God? I've been reading this book for a long time, and it just showed me where I want to stay. When the Spirit of God comes into a man with power so as to fill his soul, he brings to the man's soul a joy, a delight, an elevation of mind, a delightful and healthy excitement that lifts him up above the dull, dead level of ordinary life and causes him to rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I commend this exhilaration to you. It is, safe, it is a safe delight because it is holy delight. Holy delight because it is the Holy Spirit that works in you. And he makes you to delight in everything that is pleasing to the holy God. One no longer needs to seek another source of excitement, for here is something more safe, more suitable, more sacred, more ennobling. Be filled with the Spirit. The Apostle Paul talked about being drunk in the Spirit, and when you're drinking alcohol or looking for exhilaration, that's one of the one of the enemy's tactics to get people to drink. They get exhilarated when they drink the alcohol. It excites them and brings them to a place they don't normally have. Well, the Holy Ghost is the one that exhilarates us. That's why God said, be drunk in the Holy Ghost, not on wine. Hallelujah. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.